Shit that scares me. A podcast about scary stuff. Welcome back to Shit That Scares Me. I'm so excited to be back. Uh, I have some news for you. Everybody get ready. Uh, you know, this is exciting news. I I don't know how to say this, but uh, Shit That Scares Me is no longer a party of one. It's actually a party of two because we have a brand new co-host. And that co-host is Vicky. No, it's Vic. You just told me to call you Vic. I, I amend that <laughs> statement. This is Vic, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Yara. Hi. Hello, Fa. <laughs> <laughs> This is Vic. Um, I'm so excited. Vic is my cousin. I was waiting for you to like jump in. <laughs> so Vicky is, uh, like we said, my cousin and a podcast fanatic, just like moi. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was. it was a very clear decision when I was thinking about this podcast. What it needed was a co-host. And then uh, who better than someone you're related with and you cannot get away from ever. Um, Vic, tell us about yourself. Um, so I am a graphic designer. Um, in short, I make shit look pretty. And I'm a proud cat mom. Um, my child is currently sleeping at the moment, thank God. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I love all things scary and spooky and um I've been following Brits's podcast for a while now and I really love what she's done and um yeah, I was keen to jump on board. Yeah, so excited. And because you're a graphic designer, we just like by default get cool graphic design stuff, which is also a bonus. <laughs> I will do my best. Um, I mean, obviously, it's the uh, bane of my existence. Um, I think all my stuff looks shit, but then everyone else thinks it looks cool. So, obviously, Victoria, Vic, Vicky, <laughs> told me to call you Vic. Uh, obviously, Vic is in New Zealand right now. I'm not sure if that was obvious by her accent. Um, and I am currently in Canada. So we are recording from two different uh, spaces, cross time and space. Um, so hopefully the sound should be consistent. If it's not, and if it sounds a little bit different, um, we can only apologize. <laughs> um, we essentially, uh, we have today the topic um, that we both decided on earlier in the week. Doing this co-hosting thing is kind of interesting, right? Like we both sat down and we had a chat about what we wanted to do Mm. in terms of like episodes. Um, And we came to the conclusion that today that we were going to do Missing People, I believe. Did we come up with a fun name? Um, I I think it was uh, Strange Disappearances or like Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. Right, gotcha. I like it. I I like the Strange Disappearances thing because I feel like um, we don't know that much about each other's stories, obviously. Um, that I feel like I definitely know mine is quite strange. Oh yeah, God. Yeah, we tried. <laughs> we tried to keep it a surprise, so we just gave each other like a one-line outline of what we were talking about. Um, and I'm really excited for yours because it's like historical, right? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, I feel like we came to this topic, the decision to do this topic, because we both watched the recent Netflix documentary. Was it Cecil Hotel or Cecil? Yes, I can't Cecil remember the pronoun. Hotel. Oh my God, man. Wild. Fuck. What did you think of it? What did I know? I know. It gives me the heebie-jeebies and just thinking it, about it. There's what, like eight or 10 episodes and I watched them in an entire day and they're like, freaking binge that shit. <laughs> Literally me too. I watched it so fast and I feel like I was like flip-flopping between what I thought mm what the what the ending was going to be did you find that yeah like literally for the first kind of like couple episodes i'm like okay 
Like this, this is clearly. Oh fuck! I don't want to give it away in case people haven't like. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's try to do like a non-spoilers okay. edition. So non-spoilers, like the Cecil Hotel is like a notorious hotel in Los Angeles, and um, basically some shit goes down, and there's a famous video that's gone around the internet. Um, obviously shit that's gone down, and I'm pretty sure you guys have seen it. I highly recommend watching the series. This is not a plug, I promise. <laughs> um, if we were getting paid, that would be great, oh, but we're currently not. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely a great series. Um, and it is really like a roller coaster of emotions and just feelings and just the thought process in general. Like for the whole episode, like I was um series, I was jumping from like you know, oh this is this isn't right. Like this it doesn't make any sense. Like this is you know bullshit um to the end where i was like actually this kind of is plausible how things happened um i'm still kind of in mm. in two places i'm a bit on the fence about it but um yeah there's mm. oh man it's it's so good <laughs> it literally does leave you in that place where you're like you you can see how people went so hard on on one theory oh, yeah. versus the other and that's the whole thing is like there's been a lot of Netflix documentaries in the last couple of years that have really looked at web sleuths yes. as like a professional, a prof- I don't know if it's a profession or just like the concept of a web sleuth. Um, they did that in, uh, uh, oh God, don't what's it called? Don't Fuck With Cats. Um, don't Fuck With Cats. Yeah, they did that in Don't Fuck With Cats. Absolutely. Which I think it. is super, yeah, it was so interesting. Um, and yeah, I feel like Missing People, it's such a, it's like the lack of, the lack of a conclusion that makes the story so um, uncomfortable and yeah. scary. Yeah, like you're still reeling in your brain trying to figure out, like, you know, what could have happened? Like, is this plausible, you know? Mm. And and the fact that it could happen to seemingly anybody, really. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, she was just, like, you know, totally, oh, my God, yeah. Joe Block, mm. down the street. You, I mean, that's what they say, like, you know, there's serial killers among us and shit like that. Like. Literally, it could happen to anyone. Literally anybody. <laughs> ASMR. Oh, God. ASMR could happen to anybody. I know there are people out there that literally hate ASMR so much as well. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm like, sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. Um, so today, for just like like the starter episode, as we, we both settle into the like new gig, I guess, um, and for all those people listening, we have essentially – created not created uh, compiled uh, each a story mm-hmm. um or a tale or a, like a case essentially and what we're going to do is uh one of us is going to go first i think vicky will go first today because vicky vic sorry i'm reading your name on on the the screen of the computer and sorry. it's vicky so <laughs> i'm immediately <laughs> reading vicky <laughs> no uh, but i think vic's going to go first vic is going to go first and um we're going to listen to the story we might jump in, chat about it as we go through, but we're going to try to keep it as kind of like concise as possible, I guess. Um, and then uh, we'll have a, a chat about it at the, at the end. And then I'll go, I think, is what we're going to do today. So, um, so yeah. Sound good? Yeah, no, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no pressure. You're, you're first. We throw you straight in the deep end. Like, hi, I'm you've just been happy podcasted that I... <laughs> before. Like, yeah, fucking go do it. <laughs> <laughs> just baptism by fire yeah, right yeah. like oh I, I apologize to everyone in your ears this is just yeah 
it's gonna be great and i'll let you know if if we have any like technical issues god forbid oh that we have god, any technical please. issues while we go through and stuff <laughs> um okay i'm excited okay okay take the stage taking the stage all right so my little story that i have for you guys today is the children who went up in smoke so it Ooh, is christmas eve cool. in west virginia 1945 Jenny and four of her siblings, Maurice, Martha, Lewis, and Betty, asked their parents if they could stay up and play with their new toys rather than going straight to bed, um, like their other five siblings had. Yes, there's ten of them all together. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> Mum and Dad were busy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no. Am I Catholic by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> Can we say that? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of fancy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so their parents agreed and their parents decided to go up to bed and, you know, let the kids do their thing. Anyway, it's from this point on that some strange events transpire for the rest of the evening. Sorry, I'm going blind. I'm going to move my uh, my notes a little closer. Apologies. Strange events transpire. 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 Um, it is from this point on that some strange events transpire. A few hours after the parents had gone to bed, Mother Jenny, yes, Jenny with a Y, um, was awoken by the telephone ringing. She answered the call, and it was odd that someone would be ringing at this time of night. The female caller on the other end asked to speak with someone that Jenny didn't know. She informs the stranger that the person does not reside in the house and that they may have the wrong number. The stranger laughs and then hangs up. Now this is really fucking odd. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> someone did that to me. I'd be pretty creeped out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, it's never a good sign when a phone rings. Mm. Also, landlines, Ooh. like, they're just the worst. Thank God we don't have them anymore. <laughs> oh, God. All right. On her way back to bed, rather confused about the odd call, she noticed that all the lights were still on and the doors were unlocked. Being that the children had forgotten to lock up, she does so and then heads back to bed. Around 1.30 a.m., Jenny is woken up again to a noise on the roof. Mm. She notices thick smoke and the house is, in fact, on fire. Oh, shit. In a panic, she wakes her husband to fetch the children. Jenny, her husband, and the five children that went to bed early made it out of the house. But the other five that stayed up were missing. George, the husband, ran to the side of the house to fetch a ladder in order to reach the children's rooms on the upper level in hopes to save them. But the ladder had disappeared. According to police reports, it was later found down an embankment not far from the house. The Sodder house, sorry, so it's the Sodder family, the Sodder house yeah. burned to the ground in less than 45 minutes after the fire had started. That's so fast. Yeah. Oh, that's freaking really house! Fast. Like considering the time, and you know the era, houses. Yeah, they were predominantly made of wood, but like the materials themselves, they weren't. They'd take a while to burn. Like I mean, mm. I currently live in a house that was built in um, nineteen ten, and mm-hmm. yeah, this house would take a while to burn to the ground. Like something in nineteen fifty, be about the same. So yeah, it's pretty odd oh how quickly it burned. So it's probably some. Some tampering. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, considering the ladder was missing. Yeah, I know, right? Like, you're trying to go save your kids, and the ladder that you think is going to be there, that's always been there, is now no longer there. That's fucking weird. Mm. All right. Um, The fire department initially blamed the blaze on faulty wiring. Some reports stated that officials could not find any trace of the missing children's remains in the ashes. So this is even weirder. So not only does the house burn down super quickly... They can't find any remnants of the five children that apparently got trapped inside and the house been down on them. Bit weird. Um, but other reports maintain that some bone fragments and possible human organs were located in the ashes, which is really weird because organs exactly this this is this is why I see holes in the story. So if the house burned down hmm. really fast. Surely you'd have like nothing left but bone fragments, not pieces of organ. Like that's tissue. That stuff is combustible, you know? Like it'd be burnt. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's some some reports saying that there were organs located. Um when those organs were analyzed, this is where it gets weird. It turned out to be animal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This this is this is this, I'm thinking cover oh, up. Okay. I'm thinking cover up. This is weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. The house burns down really quickly. They're trying to say that you know remains have been found, organs have been found, which just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, like if you've got only bone fragments left from like the heat of the fire, yeah, yeah. then why, yeah, like why would you have full on like organs as well, like? Yeah, it doesn't make that sense. makes no. Why wouldn't you just have like a charred body, like if exactly. if that if it was staying that intact? Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, this is already, like, I mean, it's already weird, but this is, like, now super, super suspicious. Um, so the coroner's jury ruled that the missing Soto children uh, died in the fire. Sure. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all in there. Yep, <laughs> um, yep, yep. They're just upstairs, you know. Afterwards, and Freaking against hell. the advice of the fire marshal, George, the husband, Plowed over the remains of his home and planted flowers in memory of his lost children. So totally understandable, you know. It's destroyed evidence, or oh, uh, I mean, <laughs> destroyed evidence, yes. But like, if there's been enough time afterwards, and they're like, "Look, this is the the ruling," you know. I mean, and you can't find any other. Yeah, evidence. right, right. I think it makes sense, you know. As a family, you'd want to have a place to grieve and. Absolutely, that, that yeah, sense. no, totally. But um, what's weird is that within months of their children's presumed deaths. George and Jenny, probably out of their grief, decided that actually their children had not died in the fire, but in fact had been kidnapped. And the fire was set deliberately to cover up this crime. On a creepier note, uh, the source that states that the house's telephone line had also been cut moments before the fire started. Okay, so that someone calls to check. Yeah, if they're all obviously home, if someone's home, and then and then cuts it, cuts it, and then we've got this fire started as like a possible distraction, and then the kids are missing, like or supposedly died in the fire. So obviously, like you'd think there wouldn't be really much left if you you know you burnt to death in a fire, maybe a charred corpse, bone fragments, but like. They're not really going to look for anything, so that makes sense if you know trying to cover up a kidnapping. Anyway, also it's the fifties, so I'm imagining that like yeah. in terms of <laughs> like you know like the research based on like DNA that they oh can do, God. it's probably not an ex- like it's actually a good question. When there was wasn't like, it, it wasn't it, 
like not in the nineties or the eighties or something, right? Like proper yeah. proper DNA I testing. Had blood, I need to look that up. I know they could do blood testing like in the eighties. Like they could compare blood, mm. but it was more like if you're the same blood type, that was about it. Oh, they did a shit ton of that blue light testing Ooh. in the eighties. For like <laughs> I'm just they just about, light like, the whole room up. Rooms, just like with the blue light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's that on the bed? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, just I could you couldn't pay me to stay in one oh, of those rooms. No, I swear no. to freaking god. Sorry. Okay, I'm getting distracted. Um, no, keep okay, going. Okay, so back to the story. Witnesses also reported sightings of said children in the area shortly after they supposedly died in the fire. The Sodders attempted to get the case reopened, but for many years the police refused to investigate because they believed no crime had been committed. Um, in 1949. George and some others excavated the site of his former home to search for the missing children's remains. Only four pieces of vertebrae and two small bones were possible to be um, retrieved. A pathologist who assisted with the search remarked that it was unusual that so little was found um, as Mm. the fire burned too quickly and should not have completely destroyed the remains if there had been any in there the pathologist believed the bones that were located were from a 14 to 15 year old which would match maurice's age at the time of his death uh, but due to the location of the bones um where they were found in the full plan it did not uh george did not believe that they were from his son Another analogy, uh, sorry, I can't say this word. I always struggle with this word. Yeah, right. Another analysis conducted years later determined that those bones that were recovered were actually from a 16 to 22 year old person. So the Sodders, they didn't have anyone that was 16 to 22. So the bones that were recovered were actually from someone else, which is even creepier. So not only are their kids missing, but they've just dug up someone else's bones that were supposedly under their house. <laughs> oh, my God. It sounds like they've used some sort of, like, the fact that the house burns so fast, oh, it sounds yeah. like they used some sort of accelerant, right? They they so would have, because, like, that makes no sense to why it would have burnt so quickly. And, I mean, even the pathologist was like, hey, look, we should have at least found something. Like, mm. yeah, it does. it doesn't make any sense. Anyway. Uh, curiously, the bones did not have any signs of fire damage. So the 22, um, 16 to 22 year old bones that were discovered, they did not have any signs of fire damage, which is even more peculiar. It was suggested that they were planted at the site from a nearby cemetery, but there's no evidence to support that theory. So now we're getting into some crazy conspiracy shit. Like, like oh, here we go. I love it. <laughs> we're like, oh, look, we got some bones from another cemetery. We're going to plant them here and be like, hopefully they think it's, you know, they're dead kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is where all, like, the, the freaking, like, like the, the old wives' tales start to, like, come into the story and, like, yeah. like blend in, it's like, right? How, how can we make this, like, as believable as possible? It's like, mm, clearly failing. <laughs> like, I'm not convinced. <laughs> Um, so good. Oh my god. In 1968, George and Jenny received a photograph in the mail of a young man in his mid 20s. The photograph is posted with this case in summary. Um, on the back of the photograph, there are words Lewis Sodder. I love brother Frankie. Ilias boys, and then a whole bunch of um, letters and numbers A9, 
0132 or possibly A90135. So I'm guessing the ink is kind of smudged here. Um, the Sodders believed it was the photo of their son Lewis as an adult. They were unable to verify this theory. However, the man in the photo remains unidentified and it is unclear who sent the picture to the Sodders and why. So, not only have they got bones that don't belong there to try and cover up some shit, now people are sending pictures of their supposed dead kids and, oh my god, I'd, I'd be mortified as a parent. Like, it just adds to the blow. <laughs> it, there are so many things in my brain right now I know, it's that just, I like. It's, it's fucking, it's overwhelming. It's just like, oh my god, we've got missing kids, we've got a possible cover-up, we've got just random bones. I, yeah, like a random person's body that might be or unrelated, but it may be related. Like they have no real way to tell. Exactly. So- and then you've got someone sending you pictures of your possible dead kids, like rubbing it in your face. Mm. Yeah, it's it's kind of creepy. Um, so Jenny and George search for their children for the rest of their lives. I mean, I'm not surprised oh. what parent wouldn't. Posting a billboard, oh advertising a reward for the safe return of their children. Unfortunately, George died in 1969, so a year after they received that photo. And Jenny, unfortunately, passed in 1989. Many people theorize that the missing children were killed in the fire and their parents were simply unable to accept the loss. But others believe that the children indeed were abducted and possibly taken to Italy. I'm not sure where they get the Italy reference from, but I can understand thinking that the kids were probably, you know, adopted. Um, Mm. The youngest sort of child, who was an infant at the time, uh, is still trying to determine what really happened to her brothers and sisters. So this is one of the surviving children. Um, right. So, yeah, the youngest one. Um, she is still trying to figure out, you know, what actually happened. And I'm not surprised, like, as a kid, you know, the, having this deep, dark kind of thing surrounding your family as you grow up, you'd kind of want to figure out what's going on, especially if oh, your yeah. parents never got the chance to, you know, find out what actually happened in the end, um, to try and get yeah, some closure. So the official, absolutely. the official conclusion was that the children had died in the house fire, but the Sodders never stopped believing that their kids were still alive right up until the two parents died. They were encouraged by the strange photograph mailed to them in the 60s, purporting to show one of their sons had grown to an adult. Did the Sodder children die in the fire set by the never-caught perpetrators? Perhaps. But the tantalizing thought that they might have been kidnapped and that they might indeed still be alive, perhaps in Italy, has kept some sliver of hope that the strange case might find resolution. Nice. What the heck? They kind of had it all, to be I know. honest, as a story. It's just a whole bunch of everything. Um, I just want to do a quick shout-out. So... I mm-hmm. found this information on the Charlie Project, um, which is a website that basically holds over 1,400 cold cases um, and their profiles, so of um, missing people and just some cases in general, mainly from the United States. But um, it basically has all this information. It doesn't actively investigate these cases, but it's basically a place or a platform where missing people can still have their faces kind of showing and it's for people who have been neglected by the press or forgotten all too soon. So um, if you want to go check it out, it's uh, charlieproject.org. And um, who knows, you might find something interesting. Yeah, nice. I love that. 
you know what was going through my head though in that story mm-hmm. was like what if I know this is probably like not the right way to go but like what if the the, the kids I know the oldest was you said 15 16 yeah, yeah? yeah. um imagine if it was a, like they did it themselves oh like because they would know where the ladder was yeah right that's actually what that's they, a crazy twist what if they ran away oh my god I mean it's probably I mean, if the the youngest was probably too young to help with something like that, but yeah. imagine if it was like a, it was them, like because yeah, no, they were what up if late, it was right? A plot to be like, hey, we're gonna run away from home and we're gonna go and do it together. Um, yeah. Oh my god, that's crazy. But there would have to be some explanation for like the bones that weren't yes. the the right age. Yeah. No, that that is kind of odd. Um, mm. and the fact that like at first it was you know oh these are possibly the bones of like a, a 14 to 15 year old, but then they're also re-examined and thought to be a 16 to 22 year old. Yeah. It's, I mean, mm. there's probably a lot of human error, unfortunately, just because the, the science at the time wasn't that great, but um, yeah, yeah absolutely. No, it is, is definitely still very suspicious. So it'd be interesting to see um, what actually happened to, to be a fly on that wall, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing with these cold cases is just like this like gnawing feeling of like wanting to be there at the right oh, time God. to see something that might be able to, it might have been able to help. It just, yeah, to break you know? the case wide open, you know, that missing piece. Because mm, it's always just the one thing, like it's that one thing that someone discovers that just unravels like a bunch of other stuff. Um, oh man, I love that. That was a great job. Well done. Yay, thank you. <laughs> Your first podcast story and what a success. I love it. Oh I love gosh. it. <laughs> How do you feel? Um, I feel good. I hope I hope it made sense to everyone and that uh my accent wasn't too hard to understand. <laughs> uh no. If anything, it's good for people to learn how to bloody understand a Kiwi accent. Yeah, yeah. We're not they, sh- they should do. <laughs> We're not Australians, <laughs> just to point out. <laughs> yeah, if anyone literally if anyone here is like where in Australia are you from? I will literally. Oh I'm my gonna god! Drop, I'm gonna drop drop kick you to Australia. Like I will, I will literally come through your computer screen. I will grudge you. <laughs> <laughs> literally, I love it. Um, I'm doing. A, oh god, I don't know how to. Okay, I'm nervous about tackling the story that I have today because uh, mine is not in the 40s. It is actually very very recent. It's a 2020. Um, and 2019, essentially, ongoing case. Oh, my God. Honestly, when you uh, told me, I was, like, spine-tingingly excited. Yeah. Oh. So, ooh, today I am I'm talking about a case that it's not a closed case, which I felt very intimidated by talking about it because it is still being investigated, to, to my knowledge at least, it's still being investigated. Um, this case is from Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, oh. So it's a sort of a home case, but it does have an international element because the case... Um, is essentially the disappearance of uh, 19-year-old Eloy Roland. And I hope I've said his last name right. I, it's He's French, um, but I believe it's Roland or Roland, I think. I'm going to say it with a, a French accent and hope that it's the right way to say it. Oh, God. I hate butchering names. It's like one of my f- least favorite things to do. It. Get Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... It's, yeah, the disappearance of Eloy uh, Roland. So Eloy Roland is a French exchange exchange student. Um, He moved to Auckland, New Zealand in September of 2019. 
and he moved to Auckland uh, with the intention uh, of study, studying English, which he did. Um, and at the time of his disappearance, Eloy was actually staying with a host family in Birkenhead, Auckland. Uh, I've actually not spent a lot of time in Birkenhead, so I can't really give a like a consensus of what it's like. Uh, but I do have friends that have lived there in the past. It's quite a nice um, spot, yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, there are a lot of suburbs in Auckland, so it c- kind of comes hard to you know like know a lot about each one. It's really like there's a lot of suburbs in Auckland city. It's quite like a widespread city. Anyway, um, so Eloy was apparently scheduled to return to France in March. He actually, so I'm not sure if I just said this literally a second ago, but he came to New Zealand in, in September of 2019, um, and. He was scheduled to return to France in March. I believe it was late March. Some of the articles I've read on this have said that he was actually, he was supposed to return in May, um, but then other other articles say March. So I'm not sure if he initially had a ticket that was scheduled for May, but he brought it forward um, with the intention of leaving New Zealand earlier. Possibly because um, but he had, 2020 in yeah. March was when like the coronavirus kind of started lockdown and all that. So he probably um, probably would have had issues with like a visa of sorts yeah well that's the thing right is that all of this what makes this so much more difficult is this case has essentially been investigated over the course of the pandemic which makes things i imagine so much harder to manage like for police officers essentially um but yeah like like i said he was uh he was expected to return home in march he had secured a, a spot at a university in france to study engineering um and he was it looked like he was going home. His family did express that he was feeling pretty homesick. Um, and his sister would later tell police and I guess the public indirectly that he was determined to return to France as quickly as possible. Um, so let's talk about his actual disappearance. Um, on March 6th of 2020, uh, which was a Friday night, Eloy uh, leaves the property of his host family in Birkenhead. Um, with a backpack, and uh, nobody knows where he he goes. Nobody knows where he spends the night. Um, on March seventh, the next morning at six six thirty a.m., uh, Eloy is spotted on CCTV boarding a train uh, in Bridemart at the Bridemart station in Central Auckland. Um, obviously, Victoria and I are Vic are both from and I are both from Auckland. Um, so, I mean, we can both say that we've probably been past the Bridemart station a handful of. I mean, oh, yeah, I've been past yeah. there a handful of times. Yeah, and you know what it's like. It's it's an underground station. It's it's quite a nice station, I would it say. Is. It's, it's, I sort of it's kind of like our version yeah. of I guess Grand Central. Um, you know, you've got your big foyer before you go downstairs where the trains are. Um, it's quite open, quite bright. Uh, you know, kiosks everywhere. Um, depending on time of day, is you know pretty pretty busy with people. But um, mm. yeah, I I like associate associate it with like a a lot of people coming and going from the city to work. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of. Yeah, people who go to corporate jobs or whatever, or retail jobs, because Bridemart is right on, uh, it's essentially right off of Queen Street, um, which is the main road that goes up the city and has a lot of like very expensive stores and stuff on it. So, I mean, that's what I associated it with. I also associate Bridemart with an area that has a lot of nightlife. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of like, yeah, a lot of clubs, a lot of like bars, restaurants, that kind of thing. Um, if you walk around the the area, uh, you'll see that there are a lot of very nicely sort of decorated pockets for people to, you know, go to a restaurant and then go to a bar and there's stores everywhere and it's very sort of upscale. Um, and if you walk around the area above the train station, there are actually these like circle glass 
I guess like observatory windows or whatever oh and you can look down <laughs> yeah yeah it's super scary if you have a fear of heights but you can like look down into the actual train station and you can see like the tracks and I stuff. sat on them um, in a dress and I didn't realize that they were observatory holes so everyone walking on me oh my saw god my bum <laughs> Oh my god, that is literally the worst. I was, and all they'd have to do is look up. I was on a date and we were just sitting there eating our ice cream. And um, I saw something move underneath me and I thought it was a bug and I like freaked out for a second. Then I saw it was a person. I'm like, oh shit, I'm sitting here with like little to nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh god. Yeah, the entire, like, all of the corporate world of freaking Auckland City that's coming to work and going from work is seeing my bottom pretty right now. Much. Not ideal. <laughs> Like, is that the moon? <laughs> yep, but it's the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, I mean, like Bredemar, as we're saying, it's a really popular area for young people to go out in. I, myself, I've gone out in Bredemar a bunch. I've gone out there a lot. There's a lot of clubs that I went to when I was, you know, younger. It's actually, and the way that Auckland City is laid out in general, it's quite compact. I'm talking in the central area. So, like, it's not a very far walk. If you wanted to go from one one sort of like nightlife area to the next. So like say you were in, you know, Britama. Yeah. yeah. It's like you could walk there really, really quickly. Like it's so easy to get from one place to the other. Um, and I say this because he left on a Friday night from his home and then he was the next morning very early in the city. So I, I don't know whether he went maybe like out that night or if he was, you know, staying at a friend's house or whatever. Um, nobody really knows where he was the night before. Um, so he gets on this train at 6.30 a.m. on the 7th. Um, he's caught on CCTV. There's a video of him. You can look it up, him walking through the gates at the train station. Um, he gets on the train. This train is taking him to New Lynn. Um, he gets off the train at New Lynn. This train ride is about approximately 47 minutes long. Um, he doesn't use his uh, hop card to tag off at the train. Your hop card's like your transport card in New Zealand. For those of you who are overseas, yeah, it's like it's your public transport card, card. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what you use to like tag in and t- tag off and stuff. So he doesn't tag off. Um, but after he he exits the train, he's seen again on some Auckland Transport CCTV on uh, Fruitvale Road at about seven thirty a.m. and he's walking southbound. This is the last time that he is confirmed to have been seen. After this, Eloy essentially disappears. Um, I say disappears, it's the last time they see him. Um, Phone data indicates that he was near this intersection of Piha and Scenic Drive at approximately 9.18am. So this is like over 10 kilometres away from from the last sighting of him on CCTV in Fruitvale. I don't know if he, because I think the walk itself is about two and a half hours. I don't know that the math works out if he walked that distance, if he got a ride from somebody, I don't know. Um, But that's where his cell phone pings, you know, like off the satellites or whatever, however cell phones work. Um, And that's that's the last kind of sighting of him. It's not a direct sighting, but that's where his phone is, his pings. Um, So... He's, he disappears after this. His family states that at one stage that they believe perhaps that he was on his way to Piha to collect some of the black sand uh, because Piha is one of the beaches in New Zealand that has like black sand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and it draws in a, yeah, it's a, it's a, a lot major, of tourists, yeah, right? Yeah, major tourist spots. So yeah, that's, that's totally, uh, totally plausible. Yeah, lots of people actually do that. Yeah, and exactly. And his family have also said that he really loves the outdoors. Um, 
So it's not like to me, at least it's not a completely crazy thing to think that, you know, like a young kid from France who loves traveling and loves the outdoors, got up early, went to Pihar to collect some stuff or I just mean, go on a general trip. There's also, yeah, quite a few great, I mean, I've done them myself. Um, there's a beautiful waterfall track out that way as well. Um, and a lot, mm. they're not very vigorous either. So, um, you know, a lot of tourists go do them because they're quite easy and it's a nice area. So, yeah, that's, I mean, we, we've been there yeah. many times before, you know, early morning to yeah. try and get that perfect shot. And it's trawling with people. So, no, that makes total sense that, you know, someone getting yeah, up early going. I myself. I have driven alone out to Bihar and done some of the walks by myself, like which I don't think I would be doing anymore. Oh yeah, some no, of the stories it, it that are in this hell no changes things. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. So, um, here's the thing: he goes to Bihar. Nobody knows where he is. He's disappeared essentially. Um, the public doesn't know a lot. A lot of the articles that I read don't speculate whether he was walking the entire distance. You know, like, because this is a big trip to take, yeah. to, to, and to put this into perspective, it takes five and a half hours to walk from Newland to Bihar Beach. That's a massive walk. And um, the road itself that, I mean, I've, I've driven there, you know, multiple times myself, the road itself, um, you've got bush either side, like, it's, mm. you're basically driving to a small kind of beach town outside of Auckland. So the road, you know, you get to a point where it's literally, there's nothing around you but forest. And then you come into like the opening of, you know, the beach town and all the other little shops and stuff. But essentially you were alone for, a, you know, a good 30 to, to 40 minutes. Exactly. And like, it's, it's not like, I can understand how someone who hadn't, who wasn't familiar with the area, I'm not sure if he's ever been there before. It doesn't say in the articles, like it doesn't tell you, they don't seem to know a lot about his intentions for the day. Um, but like, I imagine that you would, he probably walked a bit of this journey, but the idea that he had the intention to like, to walk five and a half hours doesn't really line up for me. Um, but then again, in all of the articles, it doesn't really state, um, with one exception, I mean, it doesn't really state uh, a theory for how he was intending to get out there. Um, and one thing that I just want to say is a lot of people talk about his mental health leading up to this. Um, but for me, someone getting up really early in the morning to go on a big trip, it says to me that they're aware of the time limit that they have to get up at 6.30 a.m. and jump on a train to go somewhere, knowing that it's going to be a big trip. To me, says that they had a plan to make the most of the day or the daylight hours, um, at least. Um, so that, to me, reads like somebody who has a plan to go somewhere and come back before dark. I don't know if that's true, but like, in my in my head, I, never have I ever needed to go somewhere, um, and and not been aware of like the daylight hours. Do you know what I mean? Like if I'm taking a big trip somewhere, um, so I mean they don't really, they don't really tend to know a lot about what his intentions were. But that 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 speculation that he was going to get black sand for his family is kind of the only one at the moment. Um, so yeah, a lot of the articles, they don't really, you know, they don't speculate. They don't think, they don't say, uh, we think that he might've been walking the entire distance or they don't say, we think maybe he got, he got into somebody's car. They don't really say much at all, to be completely honest. These are, these are pretty sparse articles. Um, one article though, it does stay after, uh, stuff media stuff. Okay. So stuff is a media site in New Zealand that I read a lot of their, their articles I love this stuff. and they're pretty good. Like the journalist. Yeah, the journalism's pretty reliable. Um, so stuff uh, 
completed an in- investigation into the missing people of Piha. So keep that in the back of your mind because there are more missing people um, and their disappearances tied to Piha as well. Um, so Stuff did an investigation on the missing people. Um, and after they completed their investigation, a woman came forward and stated that she believed, along with some other locals, to have seen Eloy 13 kilometers from where he was last believed to have been seen. Oh, sorry, not seen, but pinged. So the, the intersection of Pihar and Scenic Drive. Um, I believe it's Drive, maybe it was Road. Um, so that, to me, was wild because that places him 13 kilometers from that spot. Wow. Um, and I'm going to quote the Stuff article. The Stuff article was written by uh, journalist Jackson Thomas. Um, I'm going to quote the woman. Um, so the woman says, quote, I live local and have done for some time. Uh, the woman who wished to remain anonymous says, on the day uh, Aloy was last seen, we saw him riding an Uber jump bike to Piha along the Piha Road in the morning. Those Uber bikes stick out like a sore thumb. You just don't see them out this far. At the time, she thought little of it, other than it was strange for someone to be riding that bi- bike out at Piha in jeans on such a hot day. The following day, she said she spotted an Uber bike parked on the corner junction of Piha, Seaview, and Pendrel Road. The next day, March 9th, it was gone. The woman who, say, uh, who had said this was actually a former police employee, and um, she said that she passed it along to the police, but she never heard back. Uh, she says, quote, Nothing has ever been mentioned about this in the media, and we've passed the information on to police a couple of times now. It all, just always seemed like such a big piece of the puzzle, she said. It might just be a case of mistaken identity, though we are adamant we saw him, but at least it's worth following up properly. So she said she's seen someone on an Uber bike in jeans. Eloy was wearing jeans, I believe, on the day that he disappeared. Um, and to me, it would make sense that somebody who wasn't very familiar with the area or like wasn't very familiar with, you know, getting around might have used like an uber bike like tourists use that kind of stuff all the time like if he wasn't um you know 100 percent how like i'm surprised he actually made it that far those things only have so much battery charge as well so yeah well the yeah the thing of it being like 13 kilometers from where he was last pinged um, i'm not actually sure in which direction she says but um if i you could probably figure that out whether if you looked up like seaview road or pendrel Mm. street um, I should have probably done that, but I didn't. So um, he was seen 13 kilometers away from that last ping. Um, so obviously his family is very concerned. They say that Eloy was actually really looking forward to coming home. However, and this is where we start to talk about the, you know, like the state of his mental health, um, employees, colleagues uh, at a restaurant that he worked at prior to his disappearance say that they were genuinely concerned for his mental health. They don't specify or about really what they were concerned about in any of the articles that were published, but that it's made really clear that he seemed to, you know, be in some sort of like duress, distress prior to, de- to his disappearance. Um, but like, this is, this is where I start to get like, I don't know. Let's be honest. There's like a lot of different reasons that you can be in distress. And I really hate when certain cases come up like this, as soon as anybody mentions emotional distress, everybody starts to throw around um, you know, like you know, the concept of well, like uh, the possibility that the person took their own life. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's heavily implied in articles that he was emotionally distressed, and as soon as you say stuff like that, people start to make assumptions about yeah, it. Like you could, but you know, like until you, yeah, yeah you can be, you know, like emotionally, you know, um, 
stressed or dressed, it doesn't mean you're going to take your own life. Like, <laughs> mm. you could just be no, exactly. a bit stressed, you know, you've had a shit day and people have noticed it. Like, ugh, I'm over this type of thing. Yeah. Um, does yeah, not mean... and like you don't, nobody knows until they know what has happened, you yeah. know? So I feel like it's so bad to just be making these implications about somebody's mental well, like health and, and tying it to disappearances. Because it almost, it almost makes people, um, it kind of makes them a little bit more like, not, not as engaged, do you know what I mean? Uh, and people are like, well, they write it off as, is is what like, you know, someone taking their own it's life kind of like, and then they kind oh, of forget about it. Mystery solved almost. And it's like, well, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. He's not been found. Like, that's that's what's the problem. Yeah. Um, and another thing about this and what makes this case and the cases that relate to this so sinister for me, um, and there's literally not a lot of ev- evidence that supports foul play at all but there have been a number of unsolved disappearances in piha oh my god um a total of six total of six over the last 25 years actually with this part's crazy but a year prior almost to the day uh lawrence Wu disappeared in piha and his car was found in the area like in a parking lot i think um and that's a year to the day almost almost i think it was the 10th of march instead of um the 7th um and then prior to this, uh, a woman named, a woman named, were named? Prior to this, a woman named Kim Bambus went missing uh, near Log Race Road. And this was in 2017. Her car was also found. It was parked with the keys in the ignition. Uh, five years before that, the same thing happened with a Sherry Vuston. Um, but in her car, the windows were all rolled down and inside the car were some groceries and her personal belongings. Um, which I assume means like her wallet. I know her wallet and her phone or whatever. Um, before this, uh, there was a Quentin Godwin and an uh, Ariana Asher. Uh, Ariana, I believe that's how you pronounce her name, Asher. That last one, that case in itself is a whole another story. It's crazy. It's really intense. Um, I think other people have done podcasts and stuff on it before, but there are like 111 call logs, um, a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding her death. Um, or disappearance, I should say. Um, it's assumed that she has passed away. Um, but yeah, so if you're interested in those, I would definitely recommend looking up the Piha Missing People. I know Stuff just did an investigation on it as well. I think it was like this year or even last year. Um, but as far as Eloy is concerned, the police conducted a 1,600-hour total search of the Waitakere Ranges, uh, and there was briefly a lead about a T-shirt that was found um, people thought that maybe this T-shirt belonged to Eloy. It ended up not being Eloy's at all. Um, and Eloy has just has not been found. His picture's still up on the New Zealand police website. You know, there are Facebook groups dedicated to his disappearance. His family, um, you know, they're still looking for answers. Um, I feel like this is the time to kind of mention that, you know, like some traits about Eloy. I mean, you never know who's listening yeah, to podcasts, yeah, no, right? But he's, yeah, so he's 170 centimeters tall. Um, he's a thin build. He's got dark hair. He was last seen wearing a blue and white jacket. Um, he had a backpack. Uh, and people say, you know, if you have any in- information about Eloy, the best thing to do is contact New Zealand Crime Stoppers, which you can find through a quick Google search, I believe. Um, but that's the, the ongoing investigation in the disappearance of Eloy Roland, which is just so terrible. Fuck. 
so so terrible that's some scary stuff especially like the number of people that have you know disappeared as well prior to him mm. like <laughs> mm. that number's concerning yeah like yeah and and it, and just like the you know like the un the kind of unexplained sort of disappearances that's what yeah. it is it's that like the cars in the parking lot and like you know, like Eloy with his trip back to France planned, and like his plans for the future. Like there, there um, is, that is, yeah, he he he's definitely forward thinking and planning ahead. So most people, you'd assume that you know have intent to no longer exist, uh, wouldn't do that. Um, so, so he's yeah. really thinking, you know, I'm going to be going home, going to be seeing my family, something to look forward to. Um, I'm enrolled in university. Yeah, like yeah. he spoke to his sister on the phone, and she said that he was looking forward to coming home. It, it's just. I mean, what's even a lot of stuff not adding up. Like I've been to Piha, like the the parking lots around there, like even the small fish and chip shop. Like there's, it's quiet and quaint, but there's people around. Like I'm surprised. Mm. Uh, like the the road in between, you know, Auckland and there totally get it it's pretty pretty like uh remote but the actual township mm. itself there's there's stuff going on like there's people about you know it's hard to go unseen and the fact mm. that a lot of these things are happening i'm guessing in relatively open spaces like you'd, you'd assume someone would have seen something but yeah yeah well that's the thing right it's this thing where it's like you being people who are so familiar with the area, not familiar, but have experience with the area. It's just, you just don't make the assumption that anybody could disappear just in that way, especially in this day and age where you have cell phones and you have like, you know, like camera phones and, you know, there's so much CCTV everywhere and it just makes not a lot of sense. Um, And it's really sad because he's just like this young kid who's come on exchange with the intention of learning and bettering, you know, like his experience with the English language. And then suddenly, you know, he, he, he's, he's gone. And you know what? Police, police aren't feeling positive about the case, which is really sad. Um, but you never know. Like at the end of the day, you don't know until you know, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's why it's important to keep talking. And of course, we're, we're at the stage, we probably have an Instagram page if you've listened to this episode. So we will be posting images that go along with the stories that we told. And we'll have a picture of Eloy up there as well for you if you want to um, have a look. Maybe you saw something, you know, you never know who's listening. Oh, man. Honestly, I've my, <sighs> my skin is crawling. Like, I have been there so many times by myself. It's... Mm. Oh, I've... And it really adds like a kind of sour, like little edge because it's such a beautiful oh, place yeah. and so many tourists love to visit it's it. It's a beautiful kind of like surf beach. I mean, a little dangerous, so, you know, if you surf in there, you know, be careful um, in between the flags mm. and all that. Um, but yeah, it's like, it is a lovely spot and a lot of people, you know, who love the outdoors go and hang out there and it's just, <sighs> I, I'm definitely going to yeah. think twice about going there myself now. Like, I wouldn't care. Yeah, which is so disappointing because it's like, yeah, you want to like, you want to be able to just enjoy these places, especially, you know, in the, in a country that it feels as safe as New Zealand, Mm. but like you can't overlook some of the the disappearances and especially with tourists as well. Like, I feel like there are a lot of like, you know, like this crime that that's specific to tourism, 
tourism and tourists and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so disappointing. Uh-huh. But like, if you if you want to like look more into the Bihar disappearances, I'm sure that you could find a lot more information. That last one, Ariana, I believe her name. It's spelled I R A E N A. I think. Let me double check. Is it? Uh, yeah, I R A E N A Asher A S H E R. She that case in itself is super crazy. Like that is just the most wild. It that case is so wild. Um, but yeah, those were our stories. Wow. Oh my gosh, got through it. <laughs> got through it. And obviously, like it's it's such a weird like thing to talk about these stories in a podcast where you're kind of going about your normal day-to-day life and like this bad stuff hasn't happened to you, but you're talking about it. Um, I feel like it helps to like helps people to make sense of the world and the bad things that happen though, you know, like being able to talk about them. I feel like I don't know about we you. can kind of like relate on some sort of level. Like I'm sure everyone's had something that's kind of, you know, been creepy that's happened to them. And I think, um, just hearing stories like these, you know, it makes people more aware of their surroundings and, you know, they probably would think twice about doing something. Um, so, I mean, yeah. it can't hurt to be a little safer. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it, it, it helps. Like, I don't know, even if it brings awareness to, you know, like the realities of, of what goes on in certain places and stuff, fingers crossed, it will do some good. Yeah, I mean, it's always yeah strange talking about open cases hey it feels a little insensitive sometimes I mean, so i do feel like it's important yes, yes and no like i'm um, as long as you talk about the person that's missing in a respectful way and you know um don't give too much away so that their family can still have you know that privacy that they totally deserve um i think mm. talking about this kind of thing i mean as i said with you know my story like people who are missing they don't get enough time you know in the public eye and it's websites like you know the charlie project you know keep their faces um on screen longer so you know hopefully someone sees them mm. and, and something comes up so i mean yeah talking talking about um talking about this is definitely i mean if someone's listening and they're like oh actually you know that sounds familiar and yeah yeah that's the, the best case scenario exactly. right that's what what people hope for exactly oh man what a world okay all right so thanks guys okay well that that was fun did you enjoy yourself i did very much i'm glad i'm so glad that we have you here and i'm excited to like work together on more episodes and stuff we have some really cool ideas that we've been brainstorming so hopefully we'll have um uh some enjoyable content for you all consistently (laughs) now (laughs) um but until next time i guess uh i just want to say thanks for listening um and we actually have an Instagram that Vic has just uh, recently made. What's that Instagram um, handle? Vic? The Instagram handle is at shit that scares me. So that's all in lowercase letters. Um, hopefully it's not taken down and Instagram doesn't have a shit fit. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I feel like I've, yeah, I've seen the word shit in other things now. I just looked up before when I was going to follow the actual Instagram page. I like looked up other people's accounts with the same like swear word in it and they were all still there so fingers oh crossed <laughs> cool man um, but yeah so the instagram is at shit that scares me um all in lowercase so if you guys want to follow us for some awesome content and you know to keep up to date with mm-hmm. all the haps that are happening um it will be much appreciated. and the episode pictures yes, and stuff and like pictures. the complimentary yep. 
yeah yeah but sure yeah. um and then we also have like a uh an, a, an email and the the email is at uh shit that scares me pod at gmail.com so it's all you know the same shit that scares me pod pod at email i mean at <laughs> gmail.com at email the best email service provider of all time <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah okay that was that oh thanks for we listening guys <laughs> we did it see you see y'all next time uh, bye guys bye, bye. bye.